Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. But then they took over and became number one. And they relegated the Red Sox to 1A. And then the Red Sox have now fallen back to where uh, you might argue they're four. Now, now Patriots, Three. Me, there's still enormous interest in the Patriots. Really? Uh, you know, oh, yeah. You know why? Because now I've got a new issue to focus on. Is Belichick on the, are you ready? Hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Oh. There's a dialogue out oh, here no. in, in Boston. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. We're going to get to the championship game with Pat Forty. Wasn't much of a game. I got a uh, text from Remnick saying, around 10, 15, this game's really dull. And so you should do what I, I tried I do. to watch. Go to sleep. <laughs> Did you make it to the tip? I made it to the tip, but I didn't make it much after the tip. I, you know, it, it was a mismatch. Florida Atlantic would have provided a better game. It would have been a better offensive yeah. game. Uh, this is San Diego State's a fine team, but they're not in Connecticut's class. We'll, we'll get to this all later. And we will also announce who has won and who is getting. Uh, there are three gifts now, 242 long sport jackets and a large New Balance uh, sort of windbreaker yeah, running pullover. jacket. Pullover. Yeah. So the, not worn by Tony, not but worn. explored to see if you wanted to wear it, then it made it to this pile. Right. It was a little a little too tight for me, so it doesn't work for me. But, you know, it's going to work for you. Yeah, looks or, great. You know, I, anyway, three gifts. That's three more <laughs> we'll, than we were given we'll out We'll go before. a little bit deeper with the gifts. And again, if you live within 30 miles of where I'm sitting right now, I will drive this to your house. So there you go. <laughs> um, for those people who watch the PTI show, you know that one of the things that is great fun for me is to switch up the stuff on the back of the set, to switch up all the time and put in different pictures and put in different paintings and put in different mementos and move things around. And, you know, every once in a while, somebody pays attention. Jim Considine paid attention. Being an avid fan of Tony going back to his AM radio show being carried in Baltimore, I pay attention to whatever he places in the background. Today, I was this meeting yesterday. I was flummoxed to see the Orioles behind his right ear. I'm trying to guess the event, but I would love if you could confirm. My first guess was 2131. That's the Cal game. It's not the Cal game. But there is a player to the left of Cal wearing a heavy jacket. The night of 2131 was a hot and humid doozy of a night. No one was wearing a jacket. It appears that B.J. Surhoff is upset with his hands on his brow. If this is Cal sitting on the bench, he also appears to be rattled. Number 11 standing is Jeffrey Hammonds. I would like to guess this is Jeter's home run to Jeffrey Maher in the 1995 ALCS, except that Cal was on the field at the time. That was in New York. Yes. No, this is in in Baltimore. this is Camden Young. I didn't know that it was, to be honest with you, I didn't think that was Jeffrey Hammonds. I thought that was Harold Reynolds. We may have a disagreement here, Jim Considine and I. I don't know the night. I just know that I saw the picture in the paper the, the day after whatever game it was. And it was taken by a friend of mine, John McDonald. I said, that picture's great. And the next thing I know, I get a print of it signed by John McDonald. How great is that? They're upset at a call. Yeah. Cal's upset at a call. Surhoff is upset at a call. Again, I thought it was Harold Reynolds. It's a great glimpse into baseball. Yes. And why did I put it out? Because this is the greatest week of the year. This is the Masters, the NCAA championship, (laughs) and the beginning of baseball. Yeah. And I thought it'd be great to have a baseball photo right there under a flag, an actual flag from the Masters from 2013. So I hope I've answered your question to the I've answered it to the best of my ability. It was not a particularly special game. It was just I love the picture. Yeah, great photo. Love the picture. So I've I've had that. Who won? 
Uh, in which bracket are we looking for? In the, in the, the bigs or in the, the bigs? In the bigs, who won? Okay, we've had Spike Braun, who was leading from the first week and opened up time. a lead in the Sweet yeah. 16, and he crushed the field. Uh, he cleared Carville by over 200 points. Did he have Connecticut in the final four? Uh, in the final four, yes. No, obviously not. He did not have them in the finals. None of our uh, top three had them in the finals. Is he? Did anyone have anyone else in the final four? Uh, sure. By the numbers, people had uh, teams in the final four. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have. At the bottom, yeah, we have uh, Jason just... and son, again, throwing his kid under the bus. <laughs> right. Uh, Phil's mom and the great zucchini. He's going to have to pick up a few more gigs. <laughs> okay. Okay. Going to start pulling two a days. All right. And do we have no idea who won in the littles brackets? I have it right here for you. Oh, who won? Uh, we're, so we are going to do uh, top 10. Uh, will receive a prize from us, and this will include some various MeUndies, uh, non-game-worn, okay, but, uh, from years back. The top three are going to be a 42-long gray coat from Brooks Brothers, a 42-long blue and red coat from Johnny O, and a large New Balance So here's the shirt. issue. We have uh, our top three for you. Actually, is a, the, there's a tie for first and a tie in second. Uh, so we'll, we will include a a fourth top tier okay, level yes, prize. Yes, okay. So that will include uh, Abermination One. Uh, it's 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 Kish, not Kish One. Wake me up before <laughs> Sonogo and Bramblin Man. Wake me up before Sonogo. So maybe they Wake had Connecticut up. winning. Uh, yeah, they well all of these all of these had finalists Connecticut. had Connecticut uh, winning, so that goes even deeper. It's Wake just me the up way before Sonogo is, is really work. good. It's so again, if you are if you are top good. nine, and again that's if you see a nine next to your name. Yeah, it's not if top nine in ties. Yeah, it's not. You don't get if you're fifteen, you're not in the top ten. No, you're just, not. Just uh, send no. us a screen grab uh, to mailbag. We'll make sure Nigel prints that out. Yes, and uh, when I say I'll drive it to you, I will give Nigel gas money if it's anywhere north of say. Uh, the Rio Center on 270. <laughs> there you go. So it wasn't, it really, it wasn't much of a tournament mm-hmm. after the first week. Lots of fantastic upsets. it wasn't upsets. much of a game. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very curious to what see. What are the numbers going to be? I want to know, do they, did they outdraw the women? Because the women's game, even though it was a 15 to 20 point game, was more exciting the whole way right. than the men's game. And this is something I want to mention. And I thought of this myself. I'm sure it was mentioned a lot last night. That's Jim Nance's, by the way. That was his last Final Four. Not because he's being fired. He just is stepping away from and that. F- he's keeping the Masters. They'll figure out new roles for him in the year. But you, you look at his timeline as he gets from Houston to Augusta to start doing the storyline. So it's hard for him when he actually gets to Augusta. And he was joking, saying, when I start working the line to try and talk to some of the players, all they want to do is talk about Final Four in the, in the, in <laughs> the right. finals. That's right. Because they all watched it. Sure. So... Um, so Nance is stepping away. Ian Eagle is apparently going to do it, and I don't know. I don't know if Raftery and Grand Hill are going to be with him. I mean, that's decision. That's some other network's decision. But Ian Eagle probably should have some input as to who he wants to work with if he's going to be doing this. So it wasn't again much of a game. But when you think this is this snuck up on me, this was Connecticut's fifth title. And it was Connecticut's fifth title in probably the last 20, 20 to 25 years. years. Jim Calhoun had three. Kevin Ollie, who was gone in a heartbeat, had one. And now Danny Hurley has one. When you're as old as I am and you can look back at 65 or 70 years of college basketball, the great dynasties in college basketball are UCLA. For the first dynasty was Kentucky, of course. 
Kentucky doesn't. UCLA has the most national championships. I believe Kentucky is probably next. Then North Carolina and Duke. I don't know how many North Carolina has. Maybe six or seven. I think Duke has five. I don't think Kansas has five. And if Connecticut has five, they are in a a stratosphere of college basketball that I honestly never expected to see. UConn has five. Yeah. UConn, I know, yeah. has five. UCLA, 11, Kentucky, 8, UNC, 6, and then Duke, Indiana, UConn, and Binghamton with five each. Indiana. I forgot Indiana. Right. Yeah. Bobby Knight has and Kansas bunch. with four. Kansas has four. So UConn yeah. just passed people. Yeah. UConn is now, when you think blue blood, you have to think UConn, and I never did before. Because even if you go back to the glory days of the Big East, if you watched carefully, you would always, always have rated Georgetown and Syracuse ahead of Connecticut. You always would have done that. You know, you would have rated Villanova and St. John's here and there ahead of Connecticut. Connecticut was not dominating in that regard. And yet Connecticut has five. Calhoun has three. That's a lot. Three. It's a lot. Bobby Knight has three. Calhoun has three. Adolf Rupp has four. Wooden has the most. Um, And then Krzyzewski. Krzyzewski has five by himself. But I was... I was and I am surprised by Connecticut's place now in basketball history. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, you can't deny that. Five, I mean, they win one more, and now you're, you know. No. Oh. No. Oh. And, and I can't name two people on the team. I can't. No. I mean, I, it's just, it, there was, there was something lacking. I know that a lot of, you know, I hate to take the Wilbon point of view, but he's right. There was a certain joie de vivre lacking in this final four. It was not anything, if, you, if you're not fans of those teams, there was nothing to bring you to the television set and make you want to watch. So I am really interested in, in what the uh, numbers will be relative to the women's game. Yeah, because the, the women did have that joie de vivre. I mean, that was... They had, they had Caitlin Clark. Yeah. And they had South Carolina and they had LSU. Yeah. yeah. Sure, they did. They did. I, and can I say this? We're, we're, not, we're not sponsored by any betting companies, are we, Michael? Uh, we've tried to stay away from that, but yeah. I'm not sure if we'll have that ability going forward. Well, let me just say as we this open then. Up our Patreon so page I'm not hurting a handouts. commercial. I'm not hurting a company that pays us on any level, as opposed to like just getting a bagel deal to be on over the air somewhere. Don't oh. forget your uh, screen door. Oh, my screen door. No, Window Nation. Screen door slams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Screen door slams Mary's dress waves. <laughs> like a vision, she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Yeah, that's, you know, uh, please don't do that to me, Michael. Um, <laughs> Did I lose my place? Yeah. The DraftKings commercials on every baseball game that I watch and the FanDuel commercials on every baseball game or basketball game that I watch, they're incredibly annoying to me. I'm not a gambler. So I'm, I'm not going to go out and gamble. I'm, I'm just not. It has no appeal to me. But the one with Kevin Hart, who's a funny guy where he barks like a dog, it's just on... 3,000 times a day, the one on... So you're um, not gambling balls and strikes? I'm not gambling on balls and strikes, no. Game I'm time? watching the Nats. Got, Nats got well, into the eighth inning pretty fast last the night. The pitcher kept falling down and was unable to make throws to first and got himself in trouble, and they lost. How, what was their time last night? I, were I they did, under three? They were definitely under three. It was 9.05 when they were in, at the ending of the, the eighth inning. Yeah, so... But these commercials, the one that says, make it rain, it just go on and on. The, the thing that bothers me the most is on the screen in every one of these commercials is a thing that says, do you have a gambling problem? Here's a number to call. This is the height of hypocrisy. I'm sure they are compelled 
by the government to say, do you have a gambling problem? Here's a number to call. If you call this number, we'll give you th- a couple free rolls. Yeah, we're, you're contributing to the gambling problem. Well, you, you, you FanDuel. Uh, what's the other one? DraftKings. DraftKings. Yeah. I'm not... I'm, you go to any website for sports, this website may you know, re- receive proceeds from... This is legal. Site. This is totally legal. I'm not asking you to push back the clock. Right. I Good. It's legal. Fine. But it's a little phony baloney to say if you've got a gambling problem when you're pushing gambling. I mean, that, come on. Yeah. That's like when, you know, if every everything for beer, if every beer ad... So if you got an alcohol problem, here's a number to call. You're creating the alcohol problem. <laughs> so come on. And plus, the commercials aren't very good, and they're just on all the time. They're just on all the time. You know, it's the- like it drives me crazy. It's like the Toyota thon. You go enough. Okay, I get <laughs> yeah, it. Enough. So I've, I've put it in the same category as the beer commercials, but in some in some way over the years, the beer commercials seem there, there's less saturation it's and it's creative. less over the top because it's it's embedded into the culture of going to games and there's there are tons of people who enjoy safe gambling and, and have for many yes. years before it was above yes. board. Yes. But you don't need to see it at, you know with any every inning break. This is just pushing every conceivable the, the what the ads say is not only will you have a better time watching this game, you'll be a better human being for it. And rich. <laughs> right. And rich, you're going to win. All your problems but see, solved. All you have to do is bet $5 and you get $3,000. What? what? Which is so I've great. I've never figured that out. How could you be in business if at the moment you bet $5, you then get $3,000 in free bets? Well, they know that you're going to give that money back. You're going to lose immediately. The house always wins. By the way, you know, I'm not sure if you know, and I can't remember who did this joke, but there's a joke about gambling addiction numbers. That's not how you get people to call say, hey, if you have a problem, call this number. You say, think you have a problem? Bet you won't call this number, will you? <laughs> you know, yeah. That's, huh. um, Carville came in second. Carville in second, yes. Paul from Sterling. Paul who, who finished third? Who? <laughs> oh, who's that? Did you finish third? <laughs> oh, did. no. I, yes. Yes. Who did you have winning, though? You didn't have any Final Four teams. I think I think I'd either Alabama or Texas winning or something. Alabama. Like yes. I'm not sure how many listeners recall this incredible prediction by James Carville back in November, I think, of this past year, but I definitely took note of it. After delivering his usual cuss-laden, garbled Cajun drawl of spot-on football picks, Mr. Carville proclaimed loudly and clearly, mark my words, Tony, the LSU Lady Tigers, led by Kim Mulkey, are going to win a national championship this year. Incredibly, once again, Carville was spot-on. I also had the fortune of being in Baton Rouge visiting my daughter at LSU to watch the championship with her. What a wonderful moment to share. Isn't that wonderful that Carville had that right, too? That absolutely is. LSU has gone out, and they've spent a lot of money on a women's basketball coach and a football coach, and they're going to get rewarded because Brian Kelly's going to win a national championship there. He is. Because, you know, you can get... You get players. Yeah. You, now, you compete. You compete starting soon with Texas and Oklahoma, and you compete with Alabama, and you compete with Georgia, and you compete with Tennessee and Florida in Texas A&M. You compete with them, but you can win there. You can get... At Notre Dame, there's still some resistance to bringing people in who are not academically qualified. And I'm not knocking LSU. They, they want to win. Okay, that it makes a lot of money for the school, and they'll do the best they can to keep the players in school if the players want to stay in school. If the players want to, If the players of Booger McFarland, they want a degree, you know, they'll be able to get a degree. They'll be able to do that. So, anyway. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, is Barry first? Yes. Uh, we'll have Barry Zverluga, who is in Augusta, I believe. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. 
check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The woman named Emily Elbert. This is sent to us by Michael Granberry, of course, who discovers everybody. And he writes, Emily Elbert first crossed my path years ago when I heard her play at Uncle Calvin's Coffee House in Dallas. She grew up in North Texas before moving on to the renowned Berkeley College of Music in Boston, where her classmate was Liz Longley, whose music I've also sent to the show. And now Emily has some big news. She will open for Grammy-winning artist Nora Jones during Nora's tour of the United Kingdom and Ireland in November. Nora, by the way, is also a product of the Dallas area, having graduated from Booker T. Washington High School for the Performing and Visual Arts and the University of North Texas. And for those who don't know, Nora is the daughter of Ravi Shankar. Nora Jones is great. Yes, she okay. is. Nora Jones is great. And Emily Elbert, this is a beautiful song. This is called A Thousand Ways, and we will play more of Emily Elbert later in the show. She plays in Barry's Verluga, who is in Augusta for the Masters. I have baseball questions and golf questions, but the most important question is, where is the house you're in? How many people are in it? How hard is it to get to the course from there? So this is a new jumping off point in 2023, uh, an experiment um, set up by my friend Michael Rosenberg of Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have abandoned the house in which I was the youngest member by at least 15 years. Right. Um, I am 52 years old, so I'll, I'll let you gauge that. Um, Kids to me, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Uh we were in Martinez, Georgia, which is the close-in suburb to Augusta, which is where many of the rental houses are. I'm with Kevin Van Valkenburg, late of ESPN, now of No Laying Up, um, the golf website, and the great Chuck Culpepper uh, of the Washington Post and uh, Mike Rosenberg. So um, a new experiment. It's, it's on the fly. I'm not sure how it'll go, um, but we'll... Uh, We'll see how it works out. I will say this. I've said this many times. I've gone down there a couple of times, not not more than that, but a couple of times and stayed in an ESPN house. And this is fabulous. ESPN really did. And most of the people who stayed in the houses were sponsor people. They were not ESPN people, but I got in for a night or two. And they always had a private chef. And they had transportation. And transportation is so much more important than you think. Almost all the drivers are either former policemen in that area or ex-military in that area, and they know what they're doing. Do you have anything like that? Do you have the private chef, and do you have the transportation? So you're speaking a language with which I'm unfamiliar. Um, that's nice for, for you. Uh, we did, I will say, in the old house that was populated by... Geezers. Um, Tom Boswell, John Feinstein, Dave Kindred, and Art. Uh, Spander. K-A-R-T Spander. Yeah. Um, 24 hours a day, we're on K-A-R-T. That's correct. <laughs> we're broadcasting. Uh, we, we did have a um, situation where some people came in and, and cooked breakfast in the morning. I, I was uncomfortable with that situation, so um, I would get up at like 6.15 and get out the door and get to the course. Um, 
So anyway, I'm, I'm happy to hear for your private uh, chef and, and yeah. driver experience. It's great. Um, it's I great. It's not mine. Um, I felt I felt I would never ever go back because I would never get that again, and nothing could be as good. When you get spoiled, you you get spoiled, yeah. and that's sort of the end of it. Um, you were uncomfortable with people cooking you breakfast, or you just felt it was too late in the in the morning. It, it, it was the combination of that. I don't. I, yeah, I just I I can. I'm happy to get my own breakfast. And Tony, honestly, if you saw the the new um, press building, uh, I've seen at, it. I've seen it. It's, you know, some combination of amazing and disgusting. I mean, it's it's the the you'll never have better. I don't need a private driver because I'm driving myself to a place with an end, endless supply of yep. um, of breakfast sandwiches and biscuits and fried chicken at lunch and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's it's a it's a, a unique and strange place. That's you know it's a tremendous rationalization on your part, but knowing that you're just never going to get the private chef and the uh, and the transportation. That's correct. I am. I'm That's the difference rest. between newspapers and television, kids. <laughs> I was in Barry's spot for forty years. I'm, I'm so close to hanging up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I, I, I'm just going to divert away from golf for a second. The Nats got such great pitching on Sunday. They didn't get it last night. I don't expect that you watched the game, but their pitcher kept falling down while trying to field uh, infield plays and couldn't make the throw to first, and they lost that game. But the Sunday day game went 217, and the Sunday night game, the national game, Texas and the abysmal, abhorrent Phillies, went 224. Barry, this is like a wonder drug. This is like aspirin. Is it going to continue like this all year? Yeah, yeah. And I, I have to say, like, I, I went to the opening day game. Um, that was 307. And, and it was 307, and I was crushed. And, and last year, that was three minutes over the average. So um, Sunday was uh, amazing. And the thing that I think we all like about, and I know already that at the end of this month, the first month of the season, I think the prevailing wisdom will be, how in the world did we live without, without it? Pitch clock? Like, yes. what, what were we doing? It because it only it cuts out of the game nothing that you wanted to see anyway. It was it was the time that talented TV producers had to learn how to do. Oh, here's a crowd shot. Here's somebody um, you know playing with their kid and bouncing around to like. Here's an infielder adjusting. Here's the pitcher going to the rosin bag like none of that matters so this is it's it's very real it's already i mean i I find the people that are against it like and and ask them why i i don't i i won't understand that um argument um that game on sunday in which if you're a nats fan like that's what the season is is about you want mackenzie gore yeah, the guy who's going to be your number one going forward to make his first start in in the uniform, not have like his absolute best stuff, but his his stuff is is ridiculous. He you know he gets into the sixth, he um, allows only a run, um, and you're you're in the seventh inning, like an hour and forty minutes into the game. Like yes, please, more of that. Shoot it directly into my face. Yeah, I mean Chuck Todd and I text during these games. And, and, you know, they're over. And we go, wait, it's over. It's just over. There's more to the day and the night. 
and we can actually enjoy it. It's really remarkable. All right, let me get to Augusta. Uh, weather forecast. Weather plays a factor. Weather forecast not great, right? No, it's not great. I mean, it's going to be really hot on Thursday, you know, almost 90, and then it looks like three days of, of rain um, and cold. Like on, on Saturday, the high is only like uh, 55 or, you know, not not even 60. Um, so, you know, whatever. Is that going to, is it going to be like the Trevor, Trevor Immelman year, uh, 07, um, when he's like laying up to, or I guess it was Zach Johnson who was laying up to all the, the par fives. There's, you know, number 13 is longer. The tee box is back. Even like Dustin Johnson was talking yesterday about like, well, I'm going to have to lay up into that, into that hole. So there are little things that are, are different because of the course and, and because of the weather. Um, and we'll just have to see how that plays out. I assume, you know, I assume we can discount Tiger anyway, but we can certainly discount them if it's going to be rain and cold. Yeah, I think realistically the question about tiger is okay if if you're not um willing to be a ceremonial golfer and you know he could play here until he no wants to play here past champions can play every single year Mm -hmm. um but he has said and pretty emphatically i uh i don't want to play unless i feel like i can win i just wonder when that's going to come and i think we've all learned to to not discount him i mean it's only four years ago that he he did win here and this is the one place that that he could get around in his sleep and 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 figure it out because he knows every single shot and where to miss it and where where to go for it where not to go for it all that stuff and that's why he won in in 2019 um but in 2019 he didn't have like steel rods in his leg that's right Uh, and, and there is a a physical demand of walking four straight rounds and not just walking four straight rounds, but uh, you've been here, Tony, like it's, it's a hike. It's a, it's a hilly, um, up and down, um, you know, somewhat of a, a physical test. Nine and 10, holes, but nine and 10, you walk nine, you walk up to the sky, 10, you walk down. It's just, exactly. It's, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll just have to, I, I wonder what, in fact, I think we'll ask Tiger that question today. Like, what what is the point when you're you realize you're not competitive, and therefore, because of your own standard, you say, yeah. I- "I'm done with this." Um, the the, the storyline, and I don't know that you're going to see this on television, but the storyline, if you're a writer, is pretty simple. It's the Saudi tour players and the PGA tour players. My son Michael, who is sitting across from me now, and I were talking before. The show started, and and his point was that Champions Dinner is going to be really interesting. There are a lot of Saudi guys who've won this thing, and that Champions Dinner, you know, that may be telling as to what the relationships are. That's the big story, is it not? If you're a writer, it's a thousand percent the story. Um, there's 18 of those guys here, and if you you think about who's in that Champions Dinner, it would be you know Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson and Bubba Watson and Charles Schwartzel um and maybe I'm forgetting Patrick Reed like that's yeah. that's not an insignificant number of past champions who will be there Cam Smith who has you know played well here the last 3 years and won the British Open last year and, and um by a lot of measures I think is is the prime live player because he's the one that they got in his ascent, not his descent. You could argue that with Dustin Johnson, that he, you know maybe at 37 or 38, he's still in the prime of his career. But really, 
um, Camp Smith is, is the, this ascendant star that, that um, Liv got. He said yesterday he was, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but apprehensive about how things would go on the range. And he said, you know, I was hugged and um, we exchanged a lot of uh, handshakes and good feelings. And, and he said everything came off well. I do think it's enormously important for the validity of that tour that some of these guys end up on the leaderboard on, on Sunday, because if, if, if that leaderboard on Sunday looks like one of these elevated PGA tour events where it's Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm and Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, and it's not Cam Smith and Brooks Kepka and um, Dustin Johnson and, and, some of the live players that the all the questions about whether the competitive nature of um, the live tour is enough to keep these guys games sharp are going to, you know, pop up and, and, and be, and have weight. Um, so um, I think it's, a, it's, it's much more important for the live players than it is for a specific mm-hmm. PGA tour player to, to do well this week. What's best for golf? What's best for golf? Who, if somebody winning from one side or another, what's best for golf? Wow, that's a really good one. Um, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a little bit of a, a Rory stan. Like, I, I I love the idea of Rory winning the Career Grand Slam, and and I to me, even though I think people certainly on the other side, and and maybe to a certain extent on all sides, think he's gotten a little bit self righteous in his. Um, Oh my God! I don't know how he sleeps at night with what he'd said recently. He stayed, when the when Saudi tour came out, he trashed it justifiably, and now he's agreeing with every single thing. So come on. Well, I mean, he, what he's <clears throat> what he's saying is undeniable that that the existence of that tour has forced change on the PGA tour that is getting more money into the pockets of of players. I mean, they they they're playing those elevated PGA tour events for purses that are greater than the majors. Um, and, and that is certainly good for that tour. I think what, if you wanted to re-engineer it, you would, you would wonder, did, did all those guys have to break off and go to this, um, the Saudi tour and, uh, and essentially ostracize themselves from the PGA tour and, and, you know, be told they're never going to be able to play there again in order to force that change. I, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, Rory is one of those, one of the very few people in golf who has the ability to get outside of the world of golf. I, I, you know, you're a golf fan. Michael's a golf fan. Like if John Rahm won, that would be a big deal. It validates him. He's he'd be, win another major. He's such a good player. Scotty Scheffler is a ridiculously good golfer. He won the masters last year. If you quizzed half the people who are on the grounds here, they wouldn't know that that's who won last year. Um, so I, I, I think uh, a, a you know a Rory win would be significant. And I do think you know if if somebody from Live won, um, it would further it would kick the debate through through the summer on okay how are these two tours going to coexist? Are the Live players do they deserve more? credit and and actually official credit in terms of points you know, being able to be in the world rankings and, mm-hmm. and be invited to future majors going forward like are their fields actually better than we think they are um there's a, there's a lot at stake i think i find it very interesting 
um, it was a lovely tournament. The women's amateur tournament at Augusta was a lovely tournament that Rose Zhang won. And that Augusta, which is the most exclusive place in the world, basically, that they are now uh, the seat of democracy, that they're having a women's national championship and they're having both of these tours. You know what I mean? That's like they, they are the more forward-looking place, the most forward-looking place in all of golf, I think. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's funny, and that's as much a statement about how backwards golf is as it is how progressive Augusta is. But I, I was having that conversation yesterday. Um, they are incredibly, incredibly forward-thinking, and that, and that includes, like, in technology. Um, you know, we're not that far removed from a world in which the Masters did not televise the front nine that's at right. all. That's um, right. That it came on at 3 p.m. and you watched it for the last three hours and, and only saw from 10 on. And, and now you can, <clears throat> you can watch any of these players at any time. Um, they are, uh, and, and I don't want to, you know, say, okay, they're hosting a women's tournament now. And that, um, you know, immediately dismisses, uh, you know, centuries, I'm centuries. Dead, no, decades. but you've got to um, give them some credit for it. No, you have to. You yes. Have to. And and they, um, I, it'll be really interesting to see what they do going forward because some of this stuff, it, all of their decisions are, you know, they're not litigated in public. They just they they announce these things, and you're like, oh, okay. Um, you know, we, it's not that long ago we were asking Billy Payne, the then chairman of of, um, of the club, um, why in the world do you not have women members? And now, you know, Fred Ridley, who's the chairman now, who has daughters, um, you know, I, I, I'm again, I'm not here to say he's like a Bernie Sanders progressive type, but but they have made pretty significant strides in an area that they were not very long ago just um, flogged over the head about. I think so. so. Um, I totally yeah. think that. I'm, I look forward to this one. I will talk to you soon, maybe after the Masters and say hi to everybody who's in the house. You know, Thanks very much, Tony. Appreciate it. Barry's Reluga, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Pat Forty will join us, and we'll talk about last night's uh, championship men's game. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Emily Elbert. This is a song called Proof, and Michael Granberry writes how Nora Jones picked the perfect opening act in Emily, who's remarkably versatile. Emily Elbert is an ace guitarist who's played on stage with Jacob Collier, Broadway star Sarah Borellis, is that how it's pronounced? Yep. Borellis? Leon Bridges, Esperanza Spaulding, Gwen Stefani, and Jenny Lewis. In addition to being a musician who can seemingly play with anyone, she's also a sublime songwriter with a soothing, ethereal voice. She's, I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. It's amazing. This is called Proof. Michael, if people like Emily Elbert or fans of Emily Elbert want to send their songs in, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com and TK Bloom is active at johnnyo.com. Celebrate the first uh, major of the year with a new polo shirt. Yes, Johnny O. Absolutely. We totally endorse Johnny O. Pat Forty joins us. Um, he either had the privilege or he had the uh, task of covering the entire NCAA tournament. Last night, Connecticut again won by double digits. They have a remarkable record this year, something like 18-0 and 0 in non-conference games, 
all of which were won by double digits. This is the way it was supposed to end because Connecticut's better. But was it satisfying in any way for you to watch it? Uh, I would say at least it, if, it, if it's satisfying to be right in your prediction of how a game's going to go, then yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I mean, you know, I, I will be, I say that I, I thought this was how it was going to happen. I really thought this would look like the 2011 final when UConn was just much better than Butler or the 2004 final when UConn was much better than Georgia Tech. Uh, but it was nice to see San Diego State have a little flurry in the second half, have a little fight because they've been awesome and, you know, they've been a great story and they're just so tough. They just don't have much skill. And they were certainly in against a far better team uh, Monday night. Yeah, the only way they win is if they hold UConn in the 50s. I mean, they just can't win any other way because they are not an offensive team. And, in fact, they should never, never have beaten Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic, UConn might have been good, right? Yeah, I think that would have been a, certainly a more entertaining game to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, although that could also have been ugly inside. But, you know, yeah, I mean, San Diego State can only play one way, as in we've seen, and it worked for them for a long time. But eventually you run up against a UConn, and this was really one of the great tournaments run, runs we've seen. And I think you have to look at UConn and say that is every bit a blue blood program as Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas. So I was saying this before we got to your segment. In the open, I said, this has snuck up on me. Connecticut has five, and they got five in about the last 20 years. (laughs) And UCLA has the most, and Kentucky after that, and North Carolina after that, and then Connecticut. They're tied with Duke. They're tied with Indiana. And, Pat, I, I don't think of Connecticut in that way at all. Do you? Well, no, I don't think we had, and I think we had shortchanged the program. Yeah. You know? Uh, they, and the players talked about it, and there were former players all over the court, Kemba Walker and Ray Allen and Emeka Okafor and Rudy Gay, and they talked about, like, where have you all been, basically? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you look at the record, and they deserve the respect now. They deserve to be mentioned in the same breath as all those programs you, you laid out. And theirs is, is more current, certainly, than UCLA's or Indiana's. Um, so, you know, what, they're, what they have done with three different coaches, you know, you get multiple coaches. That's also another sign of program greatness. It's not just a one-coach wonder. Uh, and we'll see if Duke can sustain post-Mike Krzyzewski. Indiana really hadn't sustained after Bob Knight. So, you know, what, what they have done, and with Danny Hurley being 50 years old and perhaps poised for a heck of a run, uh, most impressive by UConn. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was just surprising to me because at my age, I was around for the beginning of the Big East, and I know the Big East history, and I'm sorry, Connecticut is not the front line in the Big East history. They're just not. Georgetown is, and Syracuse is, and St. John's is, and later Villanova is, even back then with Rowley. <coughs> Excuse me for coughing. But I don't, and I watched it, and I don't have Connecticut in there, and I'm wrong. I'm wrong, yeah. Pat. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, 99, they beat Duke, a Duke team that people thought was one of the all-time greats, and since then, they have just been an incredibly formidable program. Yeah, they, they stumbled around a little bit after Kevin Ollie won in 2014, and they needed some regrouping. But now, you know, Danny Hurley, great hire, 
And uh, this is the beginning, I think, of a re- another prodigious run, maybe similar to what Jim Calhoun did. So uh, they, we've, we've got to absolutely, you know, somewhat get out of the, the Tobacco Road vortex and the, the, the Kentucky-Kansas vortex and say, UConn is, is kind of the gold standard in the sport right now. Bob Ryan said this yesterday when we talked about the game in anticipation, the thought that Connecticut would win. He said, how do you think Bobby Hurley feels? Pat, how do you think Bobby Hurley feels? Well, I talked to him afterwards, and Great. he was proud as could be of his brother. Uh, super happy. He said, this is one of the greatest sporting moments of my life. Uh, and they hugged on the court, and, you know, the Hurley family story is an incredible one. Uh, this, this was Danny putting a ring on it the way Bobby did as a player. Yeah. Bobby, two-time national champion. Dad, maybe the greatest high school coach ever. You know, winning 28 state titles and a bunch of, you know, national titles, however those get decided. And Danny was always the, you know, the, the tag-along, the youngest of the, the, the boys in the family. Uh, was a good player, but not as good as, as Bobby. Didn't get the, you know, the high-level job until he got UConn. And now this is his moment. So it's a great thing for the family. Talked to Bob Sr. as well. He was, you know, beaming with pride. But Bobby Hurley was was tickled for his brother to have this, and you know Bobby's been a, a good coach. But this is this is Danny's uh, special uh, special part of the uh, the family legacy for sure. Do you think the men will outrate the women? Do you think when the ratings come out, it'll be higher? I do. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll. You know, I mean, nine point nine million for women's basketball is awesome. It is incredible. It is, and all all of the heat and light that that Final Four generated. Woof. Yes. But uh, I, I still imagine that, that there will be a higher number for this game. Um, in sports, everybody likes to say the beauty of sports is that anybody can win. Okay, so now you get this tournament. And anybody can win, but who really cares beyond the second weekend? Nobody really cared. Do you think the NCAA as a body is happy to be right about this or upset that they put on a Final Four without as you would say, heat and light. Yeah, you know what? I think you just, this is, this is tournament basketball, and you yeah. take what the bracket gives you, and sometimes it gives you complete chaos, which is a lot of fun for a couple of weeks, and then maybe not as compelling at the end as what you would hoped. Or you get last year with North Carolina and Kansas and, and Duke. Duke and Villanova yeah. in the Final Four. So, you know, I think these are just kind of the vagaries of, of, a, of a tournament where it's single elimination. So and you think it's, it, funny. You think it's yeah. a one-year thing? I mean, if you had to bet, yeah. you'd bet it was a one-year thing. I would, yes. Um, yeah. You know, we'll see. But, I mean, heck, you know, these, these ridiculous emails that you get with the odds for next year's champions. Oh, you know, right. like, Kentucky's the favorite and Kansas is number two <laughs> and stuff. So, you know, Duke number two, I think. If, if, if that holds, we'll, we'll be back to a lot of name brands at least being at the top going into tournaments. There is something, you've covered college sports for a long time. We just, were, Barry Svaluga and I were just talking about the incredible change, honestly, that the pitch clock has made and will continue to make in baseball. It's an incredible change. And you say to yourself, well, why didn't they do this earlier? We're, in the, we're into something now that is incredible in college sports. Name, image, and likeness money in the transfer portal. It's incredible. What do you think is going to happen with this? It is, and it is transformational. Yes. Um, and people are, some people are handling it better than others. Uh, 
I think it's all going to be okay. You know, I, I really do. I think more power and money for the players is a good thing. I think that there needs to be a kind of a, a leveling out. You know, we've had this just extreme shock to the system, and there's been overreactions. I think it's going to settle down to a degree, and we're going to have a slightly more, hopefully more um, well-regulated transfer system. And I think the NIL money will eventually settle as well, and it'll be okay. Players are going to get more money. They should get more money. So, you know, the transfer situation to me, uh, the NCAA needs to do its job and really uh, deny transfer waivers for second-time transfers, third-time transfers, and say, no, you know what, you, I'm sorry you have a sick uncle that you feel like you need to transfer within 300 miles to be home with them. No, you still need to sit out uh, and not just let players bounce around school to school every single year. It's like they're sitting at Grand Central Station looking for the next train somewhere. <laughs> if they get upset with the coach for an hour, that's it. I'm in the transfer portal. I believe in people's rights, too, but it, it, this – this is chaotic, and I do not think it's a coincidence that Mike Krzyzewski and Jim Bayheim and Jay Wright and Roy Williams all left the game within a couple of years of each other, and I expect Izzo and Huggins to do that within a couple of years as well because I think this is, yes, transformational. I think it's an incredible upheaval, Pat. Yeah, oh, and you're right. I mean, I guarantee a lot of those coaches, the, the great coaches, are like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, yes. I, I don't want to deal with this. And. You know, yeah, I think like just the the amount of roster, constant roster management now is is probably untenable uh, in the long term. You know, it's just it's constant. It is a a twelve month a year, fifty one and a half week a a year job for these guys of like who who's on my team and who isn't. So uh, again, the NCAA needs to do its job to follow its own rules to enforce its rules and say you can transfer once, and then the second time you cannot unless you have an incredibly extraordinary circumstance that you could get a waiver. And it's become like, you know, the waiver system is, is completely a joke, and so they've got to enforce yeah. that. But they've also we've all said they've got to enforce their rules. And so far, actually, with name, image, and likeness, that's been an issue as well. You have to hire, if you're the head coach, you have to hire a transfer portal specialist. You know that, right? You have to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you have people that do nothing but, you know, examine other teams' rosters. Yeah, and, and they poach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's, boy, it's really, it's really wild. All right, plug your podcast for us. All right, College Football Inquirer. Uh, it's on the Yahoo Sports platform, but you can get it at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all those spots. And, again, I always say, uh, if, if, you're, if you're 1A, we're 1B, and listen to both of us. <laughs> Thank you, Pat, as always. Talk soon. All right. My pleasure. Pat Forty, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We will have email and jingle. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some faxes and your news. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for Dan Byrne and Tom Mosser. What do you think of that? 
You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com, forward a location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you will be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend, if it makes you feel all right. I'll get you anything, my friend, if it makes you feel all right, because I don't care too much for money. Money can't buy me love. Nigel told me about this yesterday, and he said, I'll buy you a diamond ring, and of course I can do all the rest of the lyrics. But I would say that um, this diamond ring by Gary Lewis and the Playboys is the more famous diamond. Diamond. Sure. Yeah, diamond reference. But this was the day that the Beatles had five hits. Top five. Top five. (laughs) How many you got? (laughs) See you. Thanks to our guests today, Barry's Verluga and Pat Forty. Thanks to our sponsors, Sunday and Trade Coffee. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Andy Lukic, whose name I always pronounce wrong, which he says, in Portland, Oregon. Dear Uncle Tony, in a one in a million turn of events, I'm in the running for a position with Tillamook County Creamery. Yes. Yes, that Tillamook. (laughs) Perhaps more relevant to you is that the position is in the public relations department. And even more to the point, the job is specifically titled Consumer and Influencer Lead. While I was initially providing the prerequisite materials for the opening, it didn't occur to me the potential overlap with the show, as I was more focused on the X's and O's of the job. However, that all changed on this most recent Friday, when their recruiter magically contacted me to further the conversation. Now it's showtime, baby. (laughs) A couple of things to consider. Who's to say this job wasn't invented as a result of your original musings and subsequent mentions of the Creamy's fine ice cream? The connective tissue of the show is an economic force. Ask Bells Up Winery, Calvert Woodley, and their tiny little cheese counter, mentioned on golf courses worldwide. If I land this gig, imagine the countless boxes of that that will be sent your way. The FedEx route from Tillamook County, uh, Oregon, Maryland, Oregon, to the 20015 will be well-traveled and infamous. If it's free, send three. Just a great Steve Young quote you mentioned recently. (laughs) My little credentials are I'm friends with David Spector, and I sit 10 minutes away from his wonderful vineyard. Cool Aunt Claire has reviewed my online dating profile and seen its mention of the show under the prompt of something I won't shut up about. My Chuck and Roxy show number is pending, mainly because I really want to avoid being interviewed when unemployed and living at my parents' home. <laughs> Peter Jennings, not that Peter Jennings, had his assistant make me a Make Japan Great Again hat when Dow was a client of my previous PR agency. I have a picture with Charles Barkley, and I like to think it's because we were both drinking at a bar in Philly, and I kept making fun of how Wilbon's house is somehow north of North Scottsdale, where it's 10 degrees cooler. And you will mispronounce my last name because you do it every time, and honestly, it's the biggest thrill of my life. As a native Oregonian who's bounced around the West Coast quite a bit, it always thrills me when you mention the Beaver State. The recent regional chatter fe- featuring Willamette, Dammit, Bandon Dunes, and Tillamook has a way of making me nostalgic for a place I left for California at the first moment I could, taking my last final in college, dropping my pen, and getting in the car. My thinking is that if you read this email on the pod, I'm already putting in the work before I even interview. Speaking quite literally, that is the job. Of course, I'll have to explain the connective tissue and that this elderly bald man is a real reason for a network of sales spikes spider webbing out of the DMV. But that's a story I'm more than happy to tell if it all works out. Isn't that lovely? That's fantastic. That's just lovely. The show best. seal of approval. Yes. Best of luck, my friend. From Joe Doyle. This is a one in a million thing in Pittsburgh. I have two sisters and hence two brothers-in-law. One of them grew up in Oneonta, New York, the other in Lima, Ohio. Oneonta and my sister... We're talking to his father one day. The subject of Lima came up, and his father said, Our family has history in Lima. Oneonta's great-uncle grew up in nearby St. Mary's, Ohio, bouncing around out west, often leaving town one step ahead of the law. He eventually found himself in prison in Indiana. He and five other inmates decided they didn't want to be in prison anymore and began planning a jailbreak. One of the six, 
who went by the name of John Dillinger. Hmm. Yes, that John <laughs> Dillinger was paroled before the jailbreak happened. He continued to help from the outside, and eventually the other five broke out. In the meantime, John D. was picked on, on a parole violation in Lima. The five decided, John helped us, we have to help John. They stopped in St. Mary's to pick up some cash at the local bank and got out of town before the police became aware of the incident. Multiple bank patrons did, however, recognize one of the guys with the guns as a not-so-favorite son. Moving on to Lima, they managed to extricate Dillinger but killed the sheriff in the process. Great Uncle was eventually caught with two of his accomplices. He was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. Before he could be executed, he was shot and killed attempting another escape. He was one of the Dillinger accomplices in the Johnny Depp movie Public Enemies. My sister and Oniana thought our brother-in-law from Lima must know the story of the Dillinger jailbreak. It had to be the biggest event in Lima's history before the producers of Glee decided to set their show there. The next time they were talking to him, they asked if he knew about it. Sure enough, he confirmed, everyone from Lima knows that story. It's the biggest event in Lima's history. Oneonta said, you're never going to believe this. But my great uncle was one of the guys who killed the sheriff. And Lima said, you're never going to believe this. My great uncle was the sheriff. This is, come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. One in a million. From Scott Jerome in Salcha or Salcha, Alaska. Sausages, did you say? On my block, I'm the sausage king, or maybe prince or duke, but certainly royalty. Handmade leeks and links and Dewey or Johnsville. I cook them all to perfection. The secret, you need a big green egg. Yeah, the egg is a bit cultish, like the solo stove yeah, or the hoka oni oni, but man, does it grill. You have one. Yeah. What separates it from the grill smoker combination from your Weber is that it's not made for steel and aluminum. The egg is ceramic. It weighs the same as a three-foot-tall Easter egg filled with cement. But it's also fragile, so it's got that going for it. Here's my sausage secret. Heat the big green egg to 375. The egg will cool slightly with the first pop of the lid. That's okay, because you want to grill the sausages at about 350 with a closed <laughs> lid. Turn them every four minutes. This is critical. Use a Thermapen brand thermometer, another cooking cult classic, to check the internal temperature after 12 minutes. Once they hit 160, you have perfection. Depending on your conditions, cook time may take 16 minutes plus or minus. If you enjoy gastrointestinal distress, pull them at 7. We use our egg all winter in Salcha, Alaska, even down to minus 25 where it doubles as a hand warmer. I know your sausages and all of your meals will taste better on the egg. Scott Jerome. Give this to Michael. That's something you should consider. Yeah, I got the big green egg. You got to be careful when you burp it because if you were not, the, uh, when, you, when you introduce all that oxygen, you'll see a huge flame, flame go up your arm. Flame will go up. Oof. Uh, now, try doing that next Palmdale, to the, uh, the river in Okatee. All Rob that in Palmdale, water. California. Michael, my uni runs on wood pellets from my smoker grill. That's it was a only a couple break. of hundred bucks. <laughs> they have several fuel options available. Not all of them are all that spending. You were really? afraid of an uni. So I'm afraid because I think once I start doing that, I'm going to be churning out pizzas five nights a week. The kids demand my homemade pizza now once every week. Good, and then you tr- turn it into a business like I have the Antonelli's th- cheese shop. I have three shop. sons. Go. I'm going to have to get takeout boxes. It's a good idea. From Cole <laughs> Kaufman in Denver, Colorado. During your discussion with Tim Kirchin, you said you only work boring, insignificant jobs such as camp counselor and department store employee. Boring, huh? So boring that over 50 years later, talking about summer camp experiences and your most recent department store bargain discovery of the core of the podcast. This show stinks. <laughs> From Rob in Gilbert, Arizona, but originally Lindbrook, Long Island. Mm. I've assumed the new game is random jobs. Here goes. Day camp counselor. Italian ice scooper near East Rockway Post Office. I know where that is. <laughs> Cabana boy at Atlantic Beach Club. I've been there. Ice skating rink lackey. Waiter. College 411 operator. Water electrical meter reader. Waiter. Cell phone salesman, flag football referee, waiter, table salesman, biology lab instructor, dentist. 
He <laughs> dentist. Dentist. The long and he winding road. Dent- dentist after being a waiter. <laughs> and I'm doing all those other things good for him. Uh, from William Marcus in Maui and formerly of Marin County, California. Is the new game what car do you drive? Please ask all the guests. A chronological history of my cars. Mustang, Saturn, Jeep, Infiniti G20, Acura TL, Subaru Outback, Tesla 3, and now a Chevy Bolt EUV. That's the electrical one. P.S. I'd invite you to golf. The Wallalea courses are beautiful. Uh, the, is it W-A-I-L-E-A? Wiley? Okay. Okay. Courses are beautiful, but you know they're in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. yeah. From Bill Kinlock, not related to Kinlock Country Club, in Mount Airy, Maryland. Thought you'd like info on some fancy new SUV that lady you scared was driving. A friend of mine from your side of the street is expecting delivery of his Rivian, and spelled wrong. It's Rivian. Rivian. Not R-I-V-E-O-N, but R-I-V-I-A-N. SUV somewhere between this July and September. Guesses on where he placed his order? July 2020. Three years. Come on, man. What are we even doing out here, man? Dad doesn't believe in shipping delays. <laughs> From uh, Jim Britt in way... I mean, it's made in Illinois. Right. How can it take that long? Just drive James. it here. Yeah. Jim Britt in Wayers or Wires Cave, Virginia. The next time you have Tim Kirchin on, could you ask him what route he takes to Bristol? Does he take the sawmill to 84 or 95 to 91? Try to get him on the next couple of weeks. I have to drive to Connecticut in May for a wedding. Thanks. As Tibby would say. From Michael, the show is so stupid. Mike O'Brien in Boston, formerly Rivera. Are we really debating the best bagels? We all know it's Duncan. I'm like the mayor of Duncan. What are we even doing here? I got a here? coupon. <laughs> I got the big one. Yeah, there it is. From John Pearson in Milwaukee. So in my time in the transfer portal, translation job search, I was sitting and filling out a job application. One of the questions involved whether I had a valid driver's license. I had to put down the number and then it asked when my license expired. As I sat with the hiring man- manager, all that kept going through my head was you, Tony, shouting, expired, expired, expired. <laughs> So I burst out into unexplainable laughter, and I blame the show if I don't get the job. On another note, if any fellow littles are hiring for a communications, sales, or broadcasting position, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, From Bill in Ocala, Florida. It's just not the same for me anymore. Watching opening night baseball, Buster only is interviewing some player, and all I can think of is cows and bagels. (laughs) Cows and bagels. And from Carl in Oswego, New York. I'm listening to the Braves Nats radio broadcast while I work on Just heard this stat, which I guess will not surprise you. The Braves have not lost a series at Nationals Park since 2018. I looked it up. It's true. Not since 2018 in April. The Nats have won a couple of series in Atlanta then, if that makes you feel better. I know you won't read this email on the air because, A, I'm a Braves fan. B, I don't have a Chuck and Roxy number. And C, my wife drives a Subaru. You lose, Carl. Got red. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always do wear white. You're slouching again, Ted. In the touch of lava gears when they just know In being held how only a mother can hold To walk at night trusting the light of a full moon's glow It's all a song when offered truly from the soul a thousand ways to kneel and kiss the ground. 
Touched waters are common. 